and this is your Captain Ricky Ricardo. Welcome everyone to a brand new edition of the Swift Kicks Podcast. I'm Alex and with me as always are Ben and Steve. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and share it with anyone you know who loves the beautiful game. Also head to swiftkickspod.com for all the latest news. In this episode, the transfer deadline is closed. The biggest transfer of all, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo coming to Manchester United. Ben, are you excited? He is. <laughs> what? Or the messy transfer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just hearing this for the first time. No, uh, Cristiano's coming home. Everything's right in the world. Uh, probably the craziest development in recent football history, I'd say. I don't know if that's a bit of a bold, bold stretch. Um, but yeah, man, like, let's see it. And I do believe he's set to debut against the uh, informed Newcastle. That's, so that's right. uh, very, very exciting. But An undefeated Steve Bruce meets yes. an immovable object in Cristiano was, Ronaldo. <laughs> was definitely in the mix to get Cristiano Ronaldo is what I heard, actually. Steve Bruce was a front runner. Yeah. Uh, Sir Alex swooped in and said, not today, Bruce. Yeah. Um, it's Dude, it's incredible. I think they have, I, I give it like two weeks before you hear about Cristiano Ronaldo and Paul Pogba getting in a fist fight or something. <laughs> There's just so much personality on that team now that I can't. Does it make Pogba want to play better? I don't know. I, I think Pog was playing pretty well right now. I think the issue is Bruno Fernandes is all of a sudden like the third or fourth best player in the team. Mm-hmm. So like you, you have these players that were like expecting big things. I'm most worried right now about Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood, in my opinion, is a shoe in, uh, not a shoe in, but like a consideration for the uh, golden boot award of this uh, Premier League. That's my, my hot take there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of a sudden with Cristiano Ronaldo, he is not going to be as big of a presence uh frankly because he's not going to be needed um so fingers crossed it should definitely make a difference in those big games in europe though right like you can't yeah. sit there and be like you don't have the talent so if anything i think it puts a little bit more pressure on Solskjaer. if you don't come up with the results now man <laughs> it's all on you right <laughs> right this is uh I, he was very complimentary I was watching like all of his uh, press interviews, you know, very complimentary of Cristiano Ronaldo as the process was going along. I think he knew very well uh, everything that needed to be said in order to uh, sweeten the deal a little bit, get him across the line, you know, probably took him out to dinner a couple of times, whatever it takes. Um, just dinner. Steve, <laughs> yeah, just dinner. dinner, just dinner, uh, no, no late night drinks or anything like that. That would, that would be crossing a boundary. Steve, what do you think of the uh, Cristiano Ronaldo move? I just think the whole transfer window, honestly, this tr- summer transfer window is is head and shoulders the most volatile transfer window I think I, I can remember, honestly. Messi has moved in this transfer window. Ronaldo has moved. There's just been people that are just that just don't n- normally move, mm-hmm. that have been on the move. Sergio Ramos has moved. Um, there is just the list goes on and on. And then a bunch of people that we just didn't really expect to see move in. They've all been making moves. There's been a lot of activity this window and a lot of headline names, a lot of headline names have went to rivals or to other uh, European rivals, if not domestic rivals. Um, In terms of my thoughts on the Ronaldo move. um, I do think, I honestly think that Ronaldo, I think, I mean, we talked about it like last season. I forget what our predictions were, what my prediction was in particular, but I had a feeling that Ronaldo would be moving within a year. 
And I think that when you see everyone kind of reshuffling things, like Messi's been moving, Sergio Ramos has been moving, uh, Varane has been moving. I mean, these are like teammates and like, you know, nemesis of his. He sees all these big names moving and make creating all these headlines. He's like, I'm not, it's, we're not doing it here at Juventus. You know, we're not going to be winning things really. We're, not, we're having difficulty winning the Champions League, which is what I came here for. We're having some financial problems. People are kind of iffy on me. Like, am I am I worth it here? Like, I should make a move. Yeah. Like, I should stir the pot a little bit. And what better way to stir the pot than to go back to United? Um, the amount of jerseys they're going to sell, the amount of marketing potential that's there, the amount of eyes now that if they weren't on the Premier League, now they're coming back to the Premier League. It, like, those uh, Harry Maguire memes are absolutely electric. Yeah, Harry Maguire oh. now has Cristiano Ronaldo calling him captain. So yeah, sup? That's what wow. he's doing right there. I, you know, what's crazy to me? <laughs> Harry Kane is so far up his own ass. Like <laughs> the fact that you think you're worth 150 mil, dude, and you got Cristiano Ronaldo going for what, like 36? 15? Yeah. 15? I thought it was 15. It is, but there's like some extra cash yeah, floating yeah. out there. But yeah. like, I believe that was like a down payment. If you go right. to SwiftKicksPod.com, uh, there's a write-up. Yeah, but my my point is like, bro, you're not Cristiano Ronaldo. So like, you know, you got United sitting there. Like, yo, do you want to pay 150 mil for Harry Kane? 36 for Ronaldo. I don't know. He's I would eight take years Ronaldo. younger than him. Who too. cares? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's just not worth it, man. It's just not worth the yeah, money. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't sell. Yeah, the real, uh, yeah. the real losers in all of this is Man City, which makes it even better. So I, I did hear some, um, some chatter that Juventus reached out to Man City to try and stir the pot to get Man United to bite. So the strategy Whoa. was to get United back in the picture because United, uh, Ed Woodward initially approached them at the beginning of the transfer market when uh, Cristiano had no intentions of leaving. So Cristiano said, no chance, I'm not going. And then they they reached out to Ed Woodward. He said, no, we're all set, they being Juventus. And then all of a sudden Juventus reached out to Man City. Then Man United come to play. Hmm. That was awesome. And then the breaking news was like the most subtle Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer move of all time of like, he knows where we are. Right. Yeah. He knows how to call me. Um, it's interesting too. If you look over at Juventus, I mean, they just lost to like Empoli, a random team in Serie A and they're in 12th place right now. And I, you know, it's only two games in for them, but I mean, that's not a place that Juventus wants to be at all. Um, so the, uh, the post Ronaldo, era begins with uh, a little bit of an embarrassment for for Juventus there but the Ronaldo and the Lukaku deals I think have to stand out for me in this transfer window especially I think that's going to change the dynamic of the title race I think it's now very clearly I actually think this is Chelsea I think still think it's Chelsea's Premier League season to lose but I think Manchester United are going to give them a good run for their money. I think they're going to be a closer second than they were to Man City last season. With yeah, I think just you just done. made Man United a title contender. Like it, either one of them could screw it up. I think the result against Liverpool. The, here's the thing, right? Like you got te- in theory, you got Liverpool, Man United, and Man City all playing, and I don't think you're going to see many losses amongst those four teams. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you could see them all going for record-breaking years. Um, 
You know, what was also crazy to see in this transfer market is this late development of Griezmann. Griezmann being yeah. loaned out by Barcelona to his formal club, yeah. former club. I think Barcelona are just throwing their hands in the air and like, hey, we're not in charge of our own team anymore. Let's see if we can make some money back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the the situation. There's a few clubs that that their activity, Barcelona being one of them, Arsenal being another one, their activity with like terminating players or just kind of offloading people off the wage bills is honestly frightening. Like in terms of a financial aspect, like the, just the activity, the amounts of players that are just getting their salaries cut at Barcelona to make ends meet, the amount of people that Barcelona are just on the chopping block, just getting them out the door. Like, we don't want anything to do with you anymore. We can't afford you. Messi going in the fashion that he did. As a Barcelona as a Barcelona fan, which I'm not, that's got to be alarming. Yeah, I think they're in high water, man. And Arsenal, too. The amount of players that Arsenal have just just – just terminated contracts. I saw I saw rumors on Twitter that Mesut Ozil is looking to. I don't know if it's like an Amazon, like those behind this. I forget what you call them. What is it like, all or nothing, or like the behind the scenes or something like that. He's looking in this rumor I saw. He's looking to do some sort of like uh, documentary regarding his exit from Arsenal and how it all happened. Oh, he I, wants to tell his. He wants to tell his side of the story. I would love to see that because that's all in the past now you know football the world keeps spinning and it's difficult to focus on something when just new news stories just keep populating the timelines but the fashion as to which Ozil went out with you know the Uyghur comments going on in China and then him getting just completely uh, sidelined and not even looked into the starting lineup uh, with Unai Emery and just getting forced out the door uh it's just i would love to see that i would love to see the behind the scenes of what's going on in arsenal in that documentary should it happen but. you know i think i think arteta is a sociopath i'm just gonna put that out there that's what i'm starting i, I don't think he's got what it takes to run well he's gonna be a sociopath dude. without a job here shortly that's what i'm saying man i don't think he makes it christmas and that'll be the first trash take no he don't make it till thanksgiving um They'll be thankful he's gone. I don't even know if he'll Arsenal, make it to Halloween. Dude, I think Arsenal are truly in danger of being relegated. Like, if they can't pull points out against Norwich this weekend, they are or next weekend, they're they're in deep water, man. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you're you're four or five weeks into right. the season and you haven't taken the points you have on the table some from some easy clubs. I don't think they'll get relegated. I kind of hope they do. But I don't know. I a real I put big them at league 10th. one stadium. I put it at I put it at tenth championship stadium, but uh, they don't get relegated twice. <laughs> they get penalized for Arteta being a, a bag. But they, um, I, I had my forecast at them being a tenth place Arsenal at the end of the season. I, it's a lot of time. To, it's it's impossible to call. They could turn things around, but they could also go like fifteenth, bro. I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't look good. And it doesn't, there's no signs. There's no signs or anything in like further along down the road that you can see that looks like, ah, if we just make it there, like things are going to turn around and get better. Like everything looks worse the more you look down the road, you know? Screw Arteta, man. Arteta, <laughs> that's the problem when you rely on a past player. And I'm saying that as a United fan to be your second gummit, like your, you know, r- rise them from the ashes. It's not going to happen. Uh, but did- he's a disciple of Pep. <laughs> in uh, also in North London, 
Tottenham's Harry Kane says he has no regrets and his conscience is clear after his uh, failed Manchester City move. You still think he's moving in uh, December, January? I think his price dropped substantially. Oh, yeah, he's going for 55 mil tops. Right, maybe 60. You know what I mean? I think you got a little bit of a wake-up check. Grealish might be the bubble that popped, if you will. I I still think you sell him overseas, but I think he's going to be in a position where Nuno's got Tottenham around that number four mark, and all of a sudden he's looking at European football. Maybe they're challenging in the FA Cup. Yeah, he's probably going to be in a different position. They who'd they just get in the the transfer market? They just got that center Ooh. back, uh, Tottenham. Tottenham. Yeah, uh, they just signed. Uh, they just I just saw that they terminated uh, Serge Arier, the French right back. That yeah. tank of a dude. They just terminated his contract. Right. They? No, they they signed um, from Barcelona Emerson Royal because Barcelona is just cleaning their books. Um, so I think that's a promising sign too there. So they reinforced the back a little bit. They've got some other players coming in too. Yeah, they got uh, Christian Romero from Atalanta over Dude. in Italy. Uh, I think they also got like another loan player from there too. And somebody from Seville. I think that, plus they got like Eric or sent Eric Lamella over for Brian Gill. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that Nuno's got something, on. Nuno's got something to prove too. You know what I mean? He's a coach mm-hmm. that really is expecting big things out of his team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great yeah. though. So that'll be interesting. Um, so we're heading into a international break. Ben, we have some news. Swift Kicks Pod heading over yep. to international land. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, we're going to be live and in person at the USA-Canada game. The last time those two teams met was in the Gold Cup where the USA beat Canada 1-0 with a goal in the first minute. And <laughs> then the game had a thrilling three shots. Um, so... <laughs> Hopefully we're, we're here to make things more exciting. But man, those no. three shots were something else. I'll tell you what. I, I think, you know, we're, we're dealing with the U.S. soccer team right now that is trying to qualify for a World Cup and has a chip on their shoulder. They got a lot to prove. You got Christian Pulisic getting to practice early on the field. Weston mm-hmm. McKinney is looking to do big things. Most of that team is playing very competitive football overseas right now. And then the players that are coming up through the MLS look pretty promising as well. Right. So I think you have a, a U.S. team that's going to try and make some statements um it'll be interesting to see how they kind of pan out but again you'll have to catch us on sunday uh, 8 p.m for for more information or for more information for updates and live <laughs> updates there you go from the game um through twitter and wherever else we come come at you from um but really guys do you think the u.s have what it takes to qualify for the world cup i mean they've let us down so many times before <sighs> Alex, I'll let you uh, take that one first. I feel like this time around, they have enough young talent that's actually talent. Uh, I think not just described as talent. I think that they actually have a uh, a promising squad, and they've sort of proven it within the last couple of games, especially the, the bigger games against Mexico, you know, beating them in finals. Um, you know, that gives them the confidence to move forward. It seems like they're one of those teams that can come together for those bigger games, and then it's like when you have to play like Trinidad and Tobago, they slip up and it causes an issue. And the way that the, the cocky calf qualifying is it's, it, it puts us in a precarious position all the time. Um, so, you know, this game that they have against Canada, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I think nobody really focuses on USA versus Canada. And it's like, uh, maybe the team doesn't either. doesn't put as much focus in as they could. And it's like, you need to be beating this team like six. No, nobody who plays for Canada. Nobody, you know, like the U S should just be like absolutely. Babies. Okay. And he, the U.S. should be dominating. Alex What's hates syrup. On? That's what I heard. 
Yeah. No, I, I agree with you, though, man. Like, if you want to be a real team, you can't ride the high of the Gold Cup mm-hmm. too long, right? Like, congrats. Yeah. Put it behind you. Let's, let's qualify. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything for the World Cup. Like, right. get going. Start qualifying. It's a pretty tough group, too, um, when you look at it. Um, you know, Honduras, Jamaica, Mexico, um, and then two other initials that I can't say, El Salvador. And the last <laughs> one I can't remember. Um, you know, it it it's a tight enough group that if you get behind, you're going to be in a rough spot. So opening yeah. up against El Salvador this week and then again against Canada, you got to walk away with six points yeah. and you can't be happy with just four. So yeah. you, you need to make sure you're 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 contending. Steve, where, where's your head at, man? The U.S. is like a very abusive ex, you know, <laughs> like you just don't want to get hurt again. But uh, <laughs> You can feel yourself getting drawn back in for like this false sense of hope that they've figured their figured their their past out and that they're moving on to bigger and better things. Um, I don't know. I hope. I really do hope. Uh, it's. It, I couldn't even. I don't even know if I can consider myself. I, I've been a fan. Something died inside me when we failed to qualify for 2018. <laughs> um, but I mean, like you guys have been saying. The, the beating Mexico in games when it, when it matters, you know, we've won. I can't even begin to list the, 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 the games that we have won. The U.S.-Mexico game is, is the one that stands out to me as of recent memory. Mm. But I don't know exactly what's happened since 2018 and now and, like, how much progress in terms of, like, finals and tournaments uh, that we've uh, done well in, if at all, besides the one. Um, but that looked... Like that wasn't like we just blew everything out of the water. Like those were tough wins, tough games, and they still kind of ground them out and managed to find uh, and create victory out of those. So that's a promising, that's a promising sign because the U.S. men's national team that I know of is is such an unpredictable team that can fold over, and at the at the at, at tougher opposition, sometimes they'll just take. Like we we'll come to games with a heart. The, the U.S. national team that we grew up on, I feel like is a team that we didn't make up with or we didn't have, you know, the, the quality or the tactics necessarily, but we would just outwork and be out physically, you would be more physically fit than other teams. And we just run them into the ground and just like outwork them. That was like an American way. That's shifted a bit. We may still carry some bits of that, but we are getting a lot more technically savvy. We have players that are playing at a high level in Europe, all across domestic leagues, Germany, Italy, uh, England uh you name it we're we're doing it um so there's maybe like a changing of the guard where that's getting phased out a little bit and we're getting a bit more technically savvy and and tactically savvy as well Hmm. ultimately to answer your question i do hope that they that they are able to to do well in these qualifiers if they don't i won't be surprised yeah it's interesting you know i feel like at the same time we probably have like one of the most talented but the least experienced men's national teams i think we've had mm. in a while um you know yeah, I, feel, I would agree I, I feel like more players if you think about it have had like actual champions league experience than they have with yeah. like, the Concacaf octagonal you know like there's just it's a different kind of game mm-hmm. and uh, i'm just know, pessimistic I, i'm like I'm just very negative when it comes yeah. to this subject. I, mean, I know it, I am, but at least, at least I mean, the coach, you know, Bearhalter is like, you know, if we don't qualify, it's an absolute failure. So at least he kind of has that expectation for himself, which I think will be passed down to the players. Uh, 
you hope <laughs> but yeah there's i think it would just be it would set back the world of soccer i think in america probably back 15 years i think there's a lot of optimism here though and and for good reason not just like glasses half full kind of optimism there's there's a lot of hope for starters and this isn't a knock on the mls but you have only like in the 23 man roster there's only seven uh, domestic players right now. So seven of a 23-man squad are playing in the MLS, which I think is probably a first. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you got Christian Pulisic playing for Chelsea, Weston McKinney over at Juventus. And then, you know, you got Fulham players in here. There's some that plays for Barcelona. You know what I mean? You've got yeah. players yeah. playing at the highest levels in the world. Peter Bremen. I mean, there's and they're young. Leipzig. Right. And they're going to be coming to, together you know, this summer and this fall into the new year gelling hopefully which could make them really exciting for next next year's world cup it's just a matter of executing right so let's let's see what happens there'll be more to come on that this uh coming sunday again if you're going to the game drop us a line we'll stop by i'd love to get your take on it um and we'll see you in nashville yeah it's gonna be awesome all right and there's another part to that story as well obviously with the world cup uh qualifiers coming up in the international break the premier league not releasing players for these qualifiers if those players are going to countries that are on the uh, sort of the red listed countries for England dealing with COVID. So we know that most is one of the biggest names. It's probably not going over to play for Egypt in his country. Ben, what more have you you've read in about that? Yeah, I, I think it creates a little bit of a challenge. You, you know, FIFA was calling on clubs to, uh, to not, to not, what's it called? I'm sorry. FIFA was calling it on, uh, the clubs that release their players to go to international duty and said, you have no business making this decision. I think it's probably the right things for clubs to do, especially when these clubs have been jerked around by, you know, so many games, so many tournaments, you know, you're going to someone that's been very vocal in the press about having, uh, you know, not enough breaks. And then all of a sudden you want to take them when there's a, a global pandemic going on and make them travel to these areas that are hot spots. Hmm. I do think it cr- kind of, uh, calls into question, a little bit of an equity issue, right? So like most law in Egypt, all of a sudden they don't have their best player. Do they qualify or not? That could cause a country's, you know, program to take a step back while other countries are able to continue forward. And frankly, that's just not fair. And I know that's not a great way to put it, but like you want the best players to play in the best tournaments. Yeah. So it's, it is uh, crazy to kind of see that. Um, I did have a Russia update for you guys. I found out why Russia aren't, <laughs> disqualified for everything so russia basically appealed the ban they got for the um the doping allegations that were found out to be true through the uh agency who i can't remember the initials from but basically for russia to compete none of the players can be um connected to that incident and they can't fly the russian flag at games so like they can't play for russia but they can play for a russian team if that makes sense um so that's why russia still has a presence in this tournament sorry to jump all over the place there but I, it was just really interesting, and it came up when I was researching some of the um, the COVID and uh, impacts. But yeah, I think it's kind of messed up, right, guys? Because like you might not even be traveling to your country, right? So like <laughs> you could be traveling to an away game, right? So like a Canadian player that plays for let's say Luton, say Canada's in, on the hot list for the Premier League, and they're like, hey, you can't go to this. Is the issue he can't go to Canada, or is the issue you can't go to? to the u.s so i think it's a little bit shady that they haven't just said you know what we're going to postpone these games or spread them out um but it seems a little all over the play place do you guys know of any other players that have been impacted i know most law was the big one i don't know of any other ones no 
there was a couple i think from like uh some of the other leagues as well um like you said like fifa was getting involved in uefa especially trying to get all these people to you know come to the games because they needed as much as anything i mean if you start having clubs saying i kind of fall in line with the clubs where i think like yeah you got to protect your asset you know yeah. like if, if somebody comes back and has to quarantine for two weeks like that's a huge detriment to your club's you know campaign going on right now but you know at the same time is it up to player freedom to be able to say like yeah i want to represent my country and i want i want to go like if it's just a little health thing like that i have to worry about yeah, i'll take care of myself if, but if you put that on a player and the player says no he's a piece of crap you know what I'm saying? yeah like, yeah like true. that's so unfair to put on a player but it i i do hear you on the freedom of that as well so yeah. i think it's going to be more to come and seeing how that kind of shapes up we could be coming to like an apex of all of this next december and yeah. uh at the world cup anyway yeah um yeah yeah perfect Are you guys you guys ready for our one of our coveted sponsored segments before we get to that segment though let's go to our interview uh, you might know him. His name is SoCal Jordy on Twitter. He's going to talk everything Newcastle. So if you don't like Newcastle, if you're from Sunderland or something, just skip ahead about 30 minutes here and uh, come back to us. All right. So joining us now is Shade. He's an actual Newcastle supporter. I found another one, guys. Uh, so you probably know him better on Twitter as SoCal Jordy. Uh, he's a proud member of the Tune Army in San Diego. Welcome to the Swift Kicks podcast. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome. So let's jump right into it. Let's look at this past weekend's game. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've picked up one point out of the past three games, uh, a draw in Southampton being the most recent, obviously. St. Maximum thought he'd secured victory against the Saints after that 91st minute screamer. And I think I was standing up screaming, just ready to go. Uh, and then it all fell apart, as is tradition with Newcastle, I think. What was your takeaway from the game? Um, I mean, first off, I, I got to admit that I feel really, really foolish for even for a second thinking we'd won it. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I was like, no, it's ours. Like, you know, <laughs> right. like I, you know, I was like, I had other plans that Saturday morning that I canceled on. Cause I'm like, this, this is the weekend we get a win. Yeah. And I mean, fair enough. We got a point, but, um, I mean, takeaways from that, from the weekend is, there's really not much to take away. Um, you know, like we, uh, going into the season, it really looked like a wash rinse repeat. And, and that's kind of what we're looking at right now. Like, I think it's great that we're playing two up front finally. Right. Um, and you know, Bruce does seem to have kind of made some tactical changes. Now, if that's Bruce or Graham Jones, he doesn't you know, believe in tactics. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think that's maybe more of a Graham Jones effect. Right. Um, but, you know, I don't really know how I, you know, of course, Maxi got the goal and I love him to death. Right. But I don't know if maybe we should be playing him up front. I still think we need a second striker um, and we should be playing him on the wing. Yep. But um, but like I said, he also got that amazing goal. And, you know, uh, the result was unfortunate, but seeing him kind of run into the Gallagate and celebrate with all the fans. Yes, um, it was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. You know, like I really, you know, it's, it's all you've wanted to see for him and Wilson and kind of these new little superstars that we've picked up for our squad. Cause on paper, we have one of the best squads we've had in years. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, it's just not working correctly. And, and unfortunately you know, now we've, we've got Wilson out for what, two to three weeks. Yep. Um, so he'll miss the Man United match. And, you know, where do those goals come from? Because I think Maxi works up front, having Wilson as a threat that defense has to worry about, but I don't think anybody's worried about Dwight Gale. Yeah. Um, you know, 
I'm worried about him yeah, <laughs> but for different I mean, reasons. <laughs> I'm worried about him starting for us. <laughs> um, so, I mean, those are my takeaways. I didn't, I, you know, I really don't think that that was a penalty. I'm also a blind Jordy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know a lot of people, you know, will uh, disagree with that. And I think a lot of Jordys will agree with that, but um, yeah. I thought we had it in the bag and I was really, I was really, I was really upset to be honest. Yeah. So Steve might remember from our, our, we had a guest last week. He was an Arsenal fan, but he kind of grew up watching the Newcastle of old in like the nineties and everything. And he says from what he's seen sort of growing up through that progression, he says like Newcastle is always so unlucky and it's more pronounced this season. He said that the first two games that there were definitely chances that we could have gone ahead. I remember uh, in the second game, you know, Callum Wilson had that goal where he just screamed it over the crossbar when he was one-on-one with the keeper and you would have thought, you know, you would have bet your mortgage on him kind of deal. And I kind of didn't buy into that at all until I saw that late penalty given against LaSalle's in what, like the 96 minute against Southampton, you know, I, I get what you're saying, you know, blind Jordy, of course, any, any foul that goes against your team is never a foul. Right. But, you know, that one seemed to me, you know, I've seen him go both ways, if you will. I mean, what, what did you think? I mean, it was, um, I mean, I definitely agree with unlucky. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's an ounce of luck for any sports. Right. And, and of course, you know, football comes down to a, to a bit of luck as well for, you know, even the, you know, I call them the greedy six, but the top six, you know, like it all comes down to a bit of luck. Um, I think that, you know, and obviously like a lot of people know that I'm a, a much newer fan, so I didn't get to enjoy the spoils of the Keegan and Bobby Robson eras. But, um, but I think that our lack of luck has never been more evident. And this, this isn't just to say with, with how the match goes with, I mean, it's with everything that is kind of, you know, surrounding Newcastle um you know we can't lock down good transfers even loans right we um yeah we're playing like the the ebay game right now like the highest bidder on i don't know anybody right now (laughs) it's ridiculous like i i i have i can't understand and i've been to norwich right so i can't understand how we're losing out to norwich Right. Like that doesn't make there is nothing there, you know, not, you know, not to offend anyone from Norwich, but it's the truth. Like, right, right. <laughs> like my best friends from Yarmouth, like, um, you know, and, and it's just it just baffles me that they would rather play at Cow Road than yep. St. James Park. And yep. um, so that that's unfortunate. Um, you know, the, the takeover is unlucky um, or, you know, if you're a conspiracy theorist, not so unlucky. Um, <laughs> but but still, you know, unlucky for the fan base. and. And it's really frustrating. It's really, really frustrating because, you know, you're a Newcastle fan and, you know, you've been there and everything like that. And you've been a Newcastle fan longer than me, but, but I think we both know just how special that place is and how special that club is and how special that stadium is and that crowd. And, um, and it's, it's really, really frustrating that we don't get our fair shake, at least, you know, not asking to be the luckiest club in the world or the richest club in the world. Those would be nice. Yeah. But um, but we we do tend to have a bit of bad luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hoping to uh, gravitate away from the bad luck. How do you think uh, Steve Bruce and, and crew will be doing against Ronaldo and crew next <laughs> next, next fixture? You know, like going into the season, and and everyone that follows me knows, like I'm I'm always calling you know I'm always calling shit on Bruce and yeah. everything. And, and I'm very much in the Bruce out camp, but I also was like, okay, you know, it's a new season. 
I guess if you want to call us a bit lucky, he got us to 12. I don't know how he yeah. managed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was like the luck just shifted the other way at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, or, you know, Joe Willick actually showed up, but that's, that's, you know, yeah. so I was going into it. I was like, all right, I think we need to pick up a few things, but if we get Willick in, you know, if we pick up another striker, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go in day one calling for Brucey's head. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe him and Graham Jones will know how to mesh a bit better. He'll have a bit, a uh, bit more respect for him coming off the euros. Cause he did such a fantastic job with the England squad and it was very evident and, you know, Southgate spoke so highly of him, but uh, it, you know, it's, it, like I said, it's, it, it really, other than a few like formation changes, we really aren't doing anything, anything different. And that's frustrating and going into an already stacked Man United team with a potential Ronaldo debut, you know, like, of course, of course he's going to play against us. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that home or away? Where, yeah. where's that played at? Um, that will be at, that'll be at Old Trafford, I believe. Yeah. Cause we yeah. were just home. Yeah. So, and you know, he's going to be at home, his debut. Um, I don't anticipate him being as great as everyone thinks he's going to be for Man United overall throughout the season. But um, but I do think that he's going to go off against us, and <laughs> yeah. you know and where are we going to come from? We already can't come from behind, right? We don't know how to do that, and you know we're effectively going to be relying on either Jolinton up front with Maxi or Gale up front. Um, yeah. We won't have Wilson, and so you know, and defensively we're very poor, even when we play our on paper best defenders. So I don't understand. <laughs> what we're supposed to do in that game. Cause our midfield's quite light as well, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> so um, I just looked it up. Cristiano Ronaldo's record versus Newcastle United played 11 games, one 10 drawn one, six goals, five assists. So <laughs> that's how that's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I guess, you know, of course that was like, that was a different Ronaldo. Of course. Yeah. But, but it's still like still Ronaldo. Right. You know? <laughs> um, unless for some reason they give him 24 minutes, like they did Messi at the PSG game. But I really, I really don't see that. Like, I really think that, um, I don't know if he'll start, but I think he'll at least get a half. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wonder how he react to it. If he's going to be like supercharged, you know, being in front of like the old Trafford and being in front of a full stadium of old Trafford, or if it'll be like a messy thing, which is like, it's difficult to mesh into a game like that, but he does have that extra factor of being somewhere like going back home per se. Yeah. So I'm curious as to what his reaction will be. I mean, I'm, I'm intimidated and I think that <laughs> I think that we should be. Um, I think that uh, you know, I think it was like the 24 minutes that Messi played, he was fouled the most than any other player on the pitch, um, according to a couple of um different stats on social media, right? Yeah. And we are not at that type of defensive squad to where we can block out somebody like that. If anything, right, we tend to make a lot of mistakes defensively and we also don't really get into it out of the fear, I don't know if it's fear of getting a card or something like that, but we really, we really don't go for it. Right. And so like, I don't see us getting in Ronaldo's head. I think if anything, Ronaldo's already in our defensive line's head, yeah. um, you know, and yeah. <laughs> and we're, you know, what, what do you do with that? LaSalle seems to be a liability right now, more yeah. so than he's ever been. And that's really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. For somebody that, you know, you think should be like the rock in the back. It's yeah. It's, it's hard at times to, you know, rely. It's really hard at times to rely on anybody in this club. I feel like even some games like say maximum, just, I think he gets disheartened by the fact that like, you know, the entire team isn't playing as well as they possibly could. So he kind of brings himself down 
Callum Wilson, if he gets in a rut, you know, he's like any striker, but if he gets in a rut, you know, it's, it's, it's not that great. Joe Linton. I mean, my God, that guy, you know, if he doesn't score a hat trick every game, it's a problem (laughs) and it's never happened. So it's always a problem. You know, there's just issues that seem to flow through the team here and there out. Um, So you said you're a big proponent of, of Bruce out. So this, you know, this past game, I think was probably the first time that I heard Bruce out chance. Um, I've heard heard some, uh, a lot of other colorful chants towards (laughs) Sir Bruce, but um, Sir Bruce, Sir Bruce, (laughs) I, I half jokingly say that he's our, he's our manager uh, in perpetuity. Like he's just, (laughs) he's there forever because Mike Ashley doesn't want anybody else. But do you think with the, uh, not really the addition, but the, the bringing back of fans into the stadiums, you know, Bruce is really getting a taste of sort of the sourness that was really in the minds of every Newcastle fan last season. Would he have survived last season had there been fans in the stands? Um, I unfortunately think that he would have. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is, that's not saying anything about the fan base and their frustration and, and how well they voiced that and everything. Anyone that's been to St. James park knows that if, if, if there's something to be said, the Geordies will make sure it's heard. Mm. It's more um, that he's the perfect, he's the perfect candidate for Mike Ashley, right? He, he, yeah. you know, maybe knows enough to keep us up. He mm. doesn't ruffle any curtains, you know, and he, he he's basically a yes, man. I mean, yeah. you know, like Pardew didn't get to leave until he, it was like, like he had, he was like begging to leave, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, like it, it really, he had to ask for that. Right. You know, mm. if, if he had never asked for that, we would probably have still had him until what was it two years ago when his contract actually expired. Right. Um, so it's like, you know, the only realistic scenario where Bruce leaves is on his own accord. He's not going to, he's not going to get sacked because he's not asking for money. Yeah. He's fine with the squad he's been given. He will always be able to jump on the fact that he kept us at 12th last yeah. season. Yep. And, and Mike Ashley will, is willing to gamble all that. He's gambled us at relegation twice now. And, you know, he, he really, for whatever reason, doesn't see that as, as that big of a risk considering he has a very, very, you know, I mean, I know he paid, um, I'm blanking on his former club. I know they paid money to get him out, mm-hmm. but you know, he's got a relatively cheap manager that's not asking for anything. And all of yep. the other candidates are going to ask for more things. Right. Right. Definitely not the same, but I do see parallels with Neil Lennon and Celtic situation. Mm-hmm. There's, it's not the same. There's a lot of different factors, but I do see some parallels there. And it was frustrating for sure. And that didn't go on nearly as long as what's going on in Newcastle. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, he's he's our manager unless he has a heart attack or quits yeah. at the <laughs> yeah. end of the season, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he came over from, uh, I think, Sheffield Wednesday. Right. Like that's, that's where. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I just think. And, you, you know, the other part of it is, is, of course, the Mike Ashley side of it. And, you know, as you said, he, he basically wants somebody that he doesn't really have to take a lot of the stick for from, you know, all the a lot of hate. Yes, is directed towards Mike Ashley. But I think so much of it on a day to day basis is is directed towards Steve Bruce. Yeah. Um, and he, he brings a lot of it upon himself. There's so many times, I mean, like on our Twitter page and stuff, I try and find like anytime Steve Bruce talks to the media, it just like makes my blood boil. Like he yeah. just, I don't even know if he knows that he's doing it. And it's, it's, it's hard to listen to him because he is a local, like he's from Corbridge. Like for yeah. those of you that don't know, like that's 
15 minutes outside of Newcastle. Like he's, he's a local kid. Ah, yeah. And you know, he should be like, this is our club. Like, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to make it the big and the best. And it was like a silly thing where like, he was asked about like, Oh, what do you think about like Ronaldo coming back to the premier league? And he's like, Oh, you know, those big clubs, they can do whatever they want. You know, that's great for them. And you know, the, the rest of us, we can just sit back and watch it, I guess. It's like, no, like where's the, the no ambition or anything. And that, you know, it should be like, well, listen, like, I think it's great. That's cool. But we as Newcastle are like building on something right now. And we want to get to a point where we can buy those players again, where we are making the transfer uh, records again, things like that. And it's it's that mentality and that that trickles down from the top and it goes through everybody, I think. And it's it's sort of seeded into the club now. And he's taken away 100 percent, you know, everything that I think, you know, I was a fan and I was lucky to be alive to see when like Sir Bobby Robson was was manager of the club and just you know it was literally it was just the things he would say in press conferences the things he would say about the club that just made you feel like yeah okay all right maybe we lost last weekend but the boys try <laughs> you know he, he's yeah. like he's giving us some go and and that's what we need and right now there's just none of that from anywhere there's none of that from like Lee Charnley there's none of that from anywhere in the club you don't see any positive enforcement from anybody in the club and i think that that's a problem not to air my grievances all over the no, place but <laughs> I, uh, I mean, you're preaching to the choir over yeah, here yeah i mean i totally agree with you it's it's i mean he you know singling out players when we have a poor performance mm-hmm. you know not and and it it is it is it, it is baffling to me because you know I I very much consider myself an adopted Jordy and and I and I love that you know I, I love our club more than anything in the world and I love that city more than any city in the world including San Diego and um, and San Diego's paradise but I'd still rather be in the tune right and um and San Diego it, and Newcastle are very similar <laughs> <laughs> same weather yeah um, you know they've got har- you know bridges and harbors that's about it. Um, <laughs> But, um, you know, and it's, 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 it's baffling to me that one, I mean, Mike Ashley's just lack of awareness for our club, right? Oh, I'll bring in a Jordy and everything will be fine and everyone will love him. And it's like, yeah. no, like, you know, we all loved Glenn Roder and, yeah. you know, and cause he understood the club, right. And yeah. Warren Barton, cause he understood the club mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. It's like, it has really. I mean, it has something to do with being a Geordie, but it also has more to do with understanding, you know, Newcastle, the culture and and the pride that everyone carries with that club. Right. And yeah. and it's almost like Bruce acts like he's above that. What? Because he did so much for Man United. And um, and so everyone's going to see him as a Man United fan where, or, you know, Man United man. Right. And yeah. and, and rightfully so, in my opinion. Right. Um you know, because he doesn't know how to talk to the crowd. He doesn't know how to do any of that stuff. And that you're right. You, you nailed it on the head. That is perfect for Mike Ashley because mm-hmm. no one's talking about him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In fact, most of us were kind of rooting for him for a while because he was teaming up to try and get this takeover made. It was like yeah. we had to, we had to ally ourselves with the enemy. Yeah. And, um, and in, and in a lot of ways, we kind of just don't care about him so much right now because we want him to do anything he can to get this takeover pushed through. Right. Yeah. So yes, and then but also then that frustration with him also gets layered 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 onto Bruce. And mm-hmm. Bruce, you know, if he had any type of intellect or um, you know spatial awareness or any yeah. type of ability to read a room, would realize this and be like, okay, 
I should at least be doing anything I can possibly do to get the fan base behind me because yeah. I don't have the depth of the squad I need. I don't have all the players, you know, uh, prescribed to my way of doing things. I kind of have this interim second manager working with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I already have a lot of obstacles. Why am I making it more difficult for myself? And that just goes to show that he's just not, you know, he's just not the right guy. Uh, right. What did you make of, uh, <laughs> you know, going back to sort of the, some of the comments that he makes in the press and things like that. Um, we were, we always joke about how like at the end of last season, he was saying he was undefeated, even though like during that time period, he lost one game. Um, <laughs> so he says things like that, but you know what, when he said things like that, Joe Willock was scoring all the goals, like things were going well, like we ended up 12th somehow after being, you know, in the, in the relegation zone. Um, back in February, he was joking that we were trying to sign Neymar. Like Sometimes when Steve Bruce is in like delirium, almost like that's when things are better. It's in peak Steve Bruce form. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cause then you, I mean, well, like his best interview ever since he signed for us was the, how's the bacon did you say moment, right? You know, and it was, we all liked him that week. Yeah. You know? Cause like it's um, I mean, I, but, but that also, I think, hinders him in a way, too, because it shows that his, you know, he's not really taking this serious. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's easier for us to laugh at him when things are going our way. But, you know, I don't think that there's really anybody who was watching the tail end of our season who thought that Steve Bruce was the determining factor. It was Graham Jones and Joe Willick, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, and, and, and I, 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 I stand by that, right? Um, you know, we got more attacking when we brought Graham Jones in and Joe Willick was just a force for that loan spell. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was playing like he had something to prove and and he proved it. Right. And so yeah. um, needs to keep proving it, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing, you know, and that's what I worry about, too, because there is a lot of pressure on him now. Yeah. Um, and especially being our only signing of the summer. Yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily fair to him because he has proven that he can do it. Mm. But now he has a lot of pressure on him and we already love him. And that's great. Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't come in with the the shroud of skepticism that Jolinton had to walk into. Yeah. Um, so, but so like, you know, we'll forgive him for, you know, he's, he didn't look match fit his first game. You know, he's still getting back to it. So like, you know, there's not a lot of like, what's up Willick talk right now. And that's great. Yeah. It shouldn't be. We should give him some time. You know, he didn't get any preseason game time in. Um, and we also have to factor in that, like, they are playing a different type of system now. And also, you know, the I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping he realizes that he should play every game. Like there's pressure on him. Yeah. Um, like that relegation pressure that we had, because then that's going to get the best out of him. But right now he doesn't have that, right. It's, it's game week going into game week four. Yeah. We've got one point point. it's frustrating, but um, you know, I think the jury's still out on that. Like, I think he's going to be great. I think yeah. that he wants it. I think that he's hungry. I think that he knows he has to prove it. Hmm. And, um, and he's already battle tested. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, I do worry about that too, because it's really easy to get lost in, in all that pressure, um, yeah. which I think is where Jolinton is, right? I don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's well he in his head. Brought in as a number nine. And he, <laughs> yeah. He shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have cost that much money. Yeah. And you know, and there was just so many things that were going against him coming into it, and then the fact that he kind of sucks for us on top. Of it, <laughs> kind which of. Is not helping, right. Yeah. 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 Big love for Big Joe, though. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I want him to do well. You know, yeah. of course. Yeah. I so finally. Uh, I think we got into a little bit of it, you know, like you said, you lived in Newcastle and everything. You're now in San Diego. 
how did that all mesh together? Like, how has it been like being a Newcastle fan out in the West Coast in California? I mean, it's got to be some early mornings watching some games, right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't, you know, I don't miss a match. I was listening to Burnley on the radio on Wednesday while I was working. It was awful because um, yeah. we had television. But um, I got into football through national football, through the Mexican football uh, team. My family's Mexican. Mm-hmm. And well, most of my family, I'm half, half Mexican, half you know, white, um, and a bunch of other stuff, but, um, <laughs> yeah, um, Caucasian, but, um, yeah. So like, dude, I was raised by my Mexican side of the family. And so I started kind of rooting for Mexico and then I really just kind of watched football for a while. Um, I didn't, I wasn't really a diehard about much. And then I played rugby all through college and, um, I ended up playing with my best friend, Rob, who's from Norwich and, he ended up living with me for a while. He took me out to England. I was like, I love it out here. This is amazing. And so I was applying to schools out there and I got accepted to Newcastle University, um, nice. my master's degree and uh, play rugby out there. And, and then I got accepted to a couple of schools down south. And, um, and my mate was like, bro, you should just go to Newcastle. He's like, <laughs> they're a good school. He's like, it's a great city. It's a great night out. He's like, I think you'll love it. Um, and the rugby team is really good. And I was like, okay. So I went out there and he ended up going to Northumbria Uni the same year as me. Um, unbeknownst to me at the time, he shows up. He's like, we're living in Newcastle together. I'm like, this is awesome. awesome. And um, <laughs> yeah, and so so we hung out all the time. And I think it was like my first couple of weeks there. He was like, Norwich are playing Newcastle, man. He's like, he's like, you've got to go to a Newcastle game. He's like, there's nothing like it. I was like, okay. So we went and um, it was actually, uh, it was when we still had Pardew. Um, it was our last kind of uh, fling in the Europa League. And um, so it was that season, 2012, 2013. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so I, it's what I tell everybody. It's like I, I went up the stairs at St. James Park, a tourist, and 90 minutes later, I came down to Geordie. It was just over nice. for me after that. Everything about it, the atmosphere, the passion, you could just read it. And, you know, we won, and that was great. And, um, and it, was just, um, it was just everything I had been looking for. Um, and, um, and I was immediately hooked. I went to every match I could. Um, and, uh, and, and I ended up staying out there for a few years. I, I started to do a PhD out there. I worked out there for a year after I graduated my master's. I started to do a PhD, didn't finish it um, because of a funding on my research issue. And then I kind of had to come back to the States after that, which was unfortunate and very heartbreaking for me. Um, I had no intentions of leaving Newcastle, um, but I went to as many matches as I could. I made some really, really good friends that are like you know, brothers to me now. Uh, that live out there and and it was very very um what's the word like uh it was really weird coming back to los angeles i'm originally from la right okay um and so i when i came back from newcastle i i moved back to la for a job and um um there's a you know there there is a tune army la and um and i love them gotta give respect i haven't met any of them um but they'll have me on twitter now um so if you are ever in los angeles look them up it was just a lot harder for me to get to matches because la is so big yeah um and where they meet up for matches and where i was living it was just not feasible um and it was massively expensive for an uber and i was going to have a couple pints if the match was on and um and i and i actually kind of found out about the group late because i wasn't on twitter at the time um and which is unfortunate i hope to get up there and see a match with them because there's a good group up there but um so yeah, so I watched alone and stuff like that. And, and then the pen, you know, I really didn't like living in LA. I was trying to get to San Diego. The pandemic made us all remote for work. 
yeah. I just kept working from home and moved here. And then I was like, I'll find a new job when I get down here and <laughs> use the pandemic to get out. Yeah. And, um, and randomly I was like, well, I was like, I was like, there's gotta be at least one other fan in San Diego. It's a lot smaller city. <laughs> I was like, like, I have to, I was like, I'm not watching Newcastle alone anymore. Right. Yeah. Like, especially yeah. after the pandemic. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't want to be alone ever. Right. And so, um, and so like, I, I started, I signed up for Twitter during the pandemic and yeah. like started, you know, interacting with, with uh, fellow tune supporters and stuff like that. And I found tune army San Diego. And, um, and now, like, now that we're all kind of united, like I've just made it my goal to bring as much awareness to Newcastle United as I possibly can specifically on the West coast. You know, um, I love, I love our club. I love talking about it. I love talking to other people. I love meeting other Newcastle fans, you know, even other football fans, but I also, you know, I want people like San Diego is a, is a hotspot destination for vacations. I want every Geordie to know that we've got a spot for you to watch a match at. If you're on holiday and you want to, you know, meet a couple West coast Geordies, um, you know, we're here. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you giving a little bit of your background and talking to us about the club. Like I said, at the beginning, like, um, um, fanatical that i've been able to find another jordy that i can sit here and talk to about the club and everything Anytime. hope you'll come back in the middle of the Definitely. season when hopefully we're riding high and bruce is on like a nine game win streak <laughs> willick scored you know a hat trick for the past three games something like that's going on um, oh, for all okay. of you out there it's so cal jordy so so underscore c-a-l cal underscore jordy with a g our friend Ben likes to spell it with a J and he is wrong. He's from Manchester. So yeah, oh, so that he explains just a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Shade, we appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on Swift Kicks podcast. Yeah, definitely. Let me know. Happy to come back. And it was great meeting you guys. All right. Great stuff there from SoCal Jordy. His name's Shade. Check him out on Twitter. He's uh, very active on that community right there. Not only about Newcastle, but about the Premier League as well. Uh, glad to have him on. Ben, we were going to get to our uh, sponsored segment. You want to get us into that? Yeah, I was uh, drinking my favorite Rubens Brews beer the other day. They're a hoppy IPA. It's amazing. You should probably check it out. But when I was doing it, I was looking for our... I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> yeah, the, the life alert person of the day is actually going to be on this episode, Alan Shearer. Oh, um, I'm shots Ooh. fired. Ooh. The man has named his team of the week after week three of the Premier League, and to me, just lost all credibility of Alan Shearer as a football pundit. He picked David De Gea in goal. He did have a good game, but Verane, uh, Christensen, and Rudiger on his team of the week, and I just think it's absolutely terrible uh, that he picked, like, four Man City players and four Chelsea players. It, Dude, so Alan Shearer, man of the week, pick a better lineup, man. He's also playing a 3-4-3. I mean, I'm never going to slag – Alan Shearer. So, Steve, this one's on you. Who all was in that lineup? The, so, uh, let's just talk about the, the back three. You got Christensen, Rudiger, yeah. and Verane. Okay. I didn't see Verane too much in his – like, I didn't see how well he did in his in his debut. How was it? It was okay. They got a, they got a clean sheet, but De Gea saved, like, three off the line. Like, okay. De Gea had a fantastic game. Like, he so, should be on there. Okay. So, are you saying Verane should not be there? Correct. He's just okay. the new guy, and they wanted to include yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Alan Shearer's got a soft spot for him. Loves I him. saw it. I saw hit Alan Shearer's lineup. I just can't remember it now. I just remember seeing it on Instagram. Midfield was uh, Gallagher, Hoberg, uh, Allen, uh-huh. and Gundogan. And then up front you had Jesus. So he put Jesus mm-hmm. up top. Uh, 
Torres, Torres yeah. and Gray. Amari Gray. Um, I mean, I would hope that City, some City players would be in there. I mean, they beat Arsenal 5-0. Yeah, but um, Arsenal are terrible. Yeah, but 5-0 is still 5-0. Yep, I'll give you that. Damari Gray, I remember he I didn't read into him, but he was making a lot of headlines. I saw a lot of stuff featuring Damari Gray uh, over the weekend. So I guess it doesn't doesn't too fall too far out of line. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know how Mason Greenwood's not in that lineup, man. The dude's crushing it. Three goals in three games, playing great. I needed to have uh-huh. paid attention a little bit more to the Premier League action over the weekend to be able to have more of an input on that. Like there's nothing that really stands out too much besides your right, new boy Veron. Like was that really merited? I'm not so sure. But no, the minute you do that, you're out. Sorry, <laughs> Sheer. So Sheer, life alert, person of the week, dead to me. <laughs> dead to me. Damn. Uh, Steve, uh, let's talk about your two favorite teams really quickly. Uh, Leicester City beat Norwich. Uh, so they're doing pretty well. But uh, what's going on with Celtic? We've recapped. Uh, well, there's been it's it's been very active. Uh, Postecoglou has been very active in the in the transfer market, which is one very much needed, um, and two um, very positive to see. It's also nice to see that the board is starting to back him up. Like you don't really see, you don't you're not seeing too many fans saying you know the board's not backing him and things like that. But of course, when they are backing him, they're not going to say, oh, like, good job backing him. Like, you, you, if, the, if they're not saying anything about it, I think that means you're doing a good job. So Celtic have signed 12 players in this, in this the summer transfer window. The number of players that they've let go or, or off on loan or, or sell outright, I, I'm still struggling to find that particular number. Um, so notable names are um, Adzan Edouard, who is our upfront striker who has had a uh one could say a tumultuous maybe last 12 months a lot of people saying did he want to be in glasgow anymore he was he looking for he just looked disinterested he has finally found his move for 15 million pounds to crystal palace with patrick vieira um lee griffiths has been loaned out to which is strange because we just signed him on a a one-year contract extension this summer and then we've loaned him out to dundee whatever um and no i mean Good servant of the club, but he's had a lot of personal problems that just he's not fit enough to really do too much of a job for us here at Celtic anymore. So uh, another notable name that just left was Ryan Christie. Ryan Christie, who has had ambitions to go play in the Prem and has settled now on the championship. He's went to Bournemouth. I've seen a variety of different sums as to how, how much he went for. Market value has him around like seven and a half mil. I'm seeing rumors that he went for like two and a half mil. I don't know, but he's went to Bournemouth, um, which I just don't think is the right time to do so personally. I think with this season with Ange Postecoglou that in Celtic, this new, this new, this new direction that we're heading in, I think that Christie could have played a very important part of that. Postecoglou, you could tell, relied on Christie and put a lot of stock into Christie. I mean, he played him as much as possible. He was very much a part of his plans. So to dip, dip out. Now, kind of seems a little bit cheap, but you can't dismiss what he's done for the club. Um, so, like I said, you can't dismiss him. Uh, but there's been a lot of signings. I mean, we talked about like Joe Hart. Uh, we've just signed. Uh, uh, he's a French striker, Georgios uh, Giac. Has a pronunciation with these Greek fellas. I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> Kumakis. He was he was top goal scorer in the Dutch league last season. 
Um, I forget what team he had played for, but they had gotten relegated, but he was top goal scorer with like 26 goals last season. That's a big one. James McCarthy's another huge one. Uh, Joe Hart has been looking the real business. Uh, a good, solid pair of hands and good Joe, feet at the back. Joe Hart's good until he's not. So just know <laughs> that he will break your heart. Well, we're waiting. For all, let's keep that at bay as much as possible. Kyogo looks like he is going to be a legend. Yeah, he'll be gone in about six months. I, an absolute legend. I think he's played, last I checked, was like six starts. And he's had six goals. I don't remember the amount of assists he's had. Um, James McCarthy, who came from Crystal Palace, is good Premier League experience. Another good center midfielder. And we've also signed an American. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, who just came from Tottenham, uh, is a center back who came in. Um, Leal Abada came in as well. Israeli international playing up top. It, there's, it's, it's very promising. There's a lot of people that I haven't mentioned as well. But he's possibly putting his stamp on what he wants to do at Celtic. And it's looking good. Right. Give him some time to get that team gelling together. You yeah. talked about 12 new players in that squad. It's just a matter of time. You know, they're contending without the chemistry against right. Rangers, losing one nil. A little unlucky, in my opinion. Dominated possession. Yeah. Dominated possession for sure. Close game. The, yep. the score line reflects a good game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was a good um, physical game. But I think, you know, Pasta Coglu is uh, bringing the squad together. He's brought in the guys he wants, and now it's the time for him to execute. So we're going to have to see how that turns. Uh, how that shapes up, but it's super exciting for sure for Celtic. You guys look promising. And you got a decent, uh, decent group for Europa League as well. Leverkusen, Real Betis, and then... And French, French Varos is, uh, <laughs> is the Hungarians that knocked us out last season. Oh. Um, so it's just like, of course, they're going to be in the group. But Leverkusen, Real Betis, I mean, these are, Those these are, are teams. solid teams. Those are yeah. very good teams. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at like I, I. It looks like if you told me United's group in the Champions League was mm-hmm. yeah. was yeah. the same was like their Europa League group. Like I would yeah. expect those same teams, and it's like I'm just looking at. But like if you put United in Celtics group, mm, yeah, I guess maybe the same argument isn't made. But they're very close in terms of I think quality of groups. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Manu has uh, Atalanta from. Italy, Villarreal from Spain, and and young boys, a uh, bunch of a group of young boys are gonna, gonna play, yeah. <laughs> and one old boy, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that, that should be it. Should be a nice uh, Champions League welcome for Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> a couple teams to get his appetite wet with again. Um, what do you guys? Do you guys see the Champions League draw? You know, I think the the biggest group that really steps out is, of course, Group B, I still think, with Milan, Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, and Porto. I think that's probably the quote-unquote yeah. group of death. But um, Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, uh, after that, you know, it's, it's nice to see Inter Milan and Real Madrid in Group D. That'll be interesting. Barcelona, Bayern in Group E. Um Chelsea and Juventus, even though Juventus doesn't really mean anything now. I feel like uh, who are PSG with? Do we know that one? Um, have you watched any of the French league, by the way? Uh, I did. Yeah, I did. Bollocks. I watched Messi's Bollocks. debut. I watched Messi's debut. Bollocks. Second half. <laughs> Steve. Hashtag cancel Steve. I had the notifications on my app uh, letting me know when Messi no came chance. in. And once he got in, I tuned in. <laughs> Yeah, that's a load of shit. That's <laughs> <I'm> serious. <laughs> yeah, uh, you and the rest of the world is still not watching the French league, uh, but I, I did Uber eat. Um, just to let you know, it's also more interesting. My Uber eats record is more interesting than the French league one. Um, so there's that. Bollocks. <laughs> we do get we'll to miss out together. on the chance for uh, 
uh, Cristiano Ronaldo at Man City versus a Messi at PSG. So I guess we'll have to wait for later down the line for Man United and Barcelona to possibly, or PSG to possibly miss, miss, what the fuck? We'll have to wait later down the line for uh, Messi at PSG and Manchester United with Ronaldo to meet later down the line. Yeah, watch them get knocked out of the Champions League in the group stage, and then Steve didn't <laughs> watch any of their games this year. Just throwing that out there. It's, it's quite possibly why. Yeah. yeah. I'll watch them. We'll watch them together. I'll yeah. send you the link. <laughs> yeah. We'll have a watch party. I might not click on it. I might, <laughs> watch, I might watch the MLS instead. Bro. And that's the MLS. <laughs> and that's our MLS coverage. Yeah. <laughs> I think what we have to do is where are they now? Where has this segment been? It's here now. Yeah. Where are they now? Ben's going to guide us through this journey together. Okay. Off the dome. Let's do it. Off the cuff. All right. This is, uh, in my opinion, one of the ugliest footballers. Um, (laughs) I'll start with that. I'll give you guys a couple questions each uh, to kind of get where it's It's going. Marwan Fellaini. It's not. (laughs) Um, I don't judge Flaney based on his looks. His he didn't say one of the worst players. Just um, we don't do where are they now for people that are truly missing. Um, <laughs> Marijuan Fellaini is out. Um, so that being said, guys, you know the drill. I don't give you any hints. Have at it. But you do. <laughs> I, that's as that's as uh, truthful as Steve watching PSG. <laughs> Throw that out there. Um, did this guy? Does he play in the Premier League? He did. He did. Did he only play in the Premier League? Uh, he definitely only played in England. Okay. Mm. I don't have this quickly available, but I'm going to go ahead and say majority of his career was in the Premier League. If not, it was in the league below. Did he play for Southampton? He did not. Okay. I had something in my mind. Is he English? He he is English. Okay. He's also five foot seven. What star is, sign? Star sign is still to come. Okay. What is his defining ugly quality? Everything. Is he currently? I don't know if we just. No, you said he did play in England, so he's re, he's retired now. Correct. He is uh, currently retired. He retired back home to the lovely town of Kirkby, England. And you guys, you're right. I kind of left you guys all hanging. This Sagittarius, Sagittarius Mm -hmm. is a footballer. That's how I should have started. I let you guys down. I'm sorry. Won't be the last time. It definitely Um, will not be. He is expecting to celebrate his 37th birthday on the 11th of December. Seven, Ooh. extremely ugly. <laughs> Defining quality. Played majority. Played majority or all of it in England. Oh, exclusively in England. Okay, he played exclusively in England. He is English. Did he play in five, defense? Seven. Did he play in defense? Yes. Hmm. Must be a fullback then, if he's five seven. Mm. Um. Yeah, I was gonna English say. fullback who is just particularly ugly. I was going to say and Julian to, Lescott, but I don't think he's 5'7". No. For me, this is one of the most underrated uh, defenders to come out of England that kind of just went away. Is he... Don't, did he play for Everton? He did. 
Is he Leighton Baines? It is Leighton Baines. Steve oh, takes the God. cake. Oh, it was the Sagittarius <laughs> that gave it away, huh? <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, Leighton Baines had like a 18 year career. For, started at Wigan for five years in 2002. Um, had over four, had 493 appearances professionally uh, between Wigan and Everton. Only had 30 caps for England. Why is he the most ugliest player that you? Think yeah, I wouldn't have put him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have called him the most ugly. Might be just a bad picture of him. I don't care. I'm not here to judge. I just give you the facts. You guys. You did judge though. <laughs> I'm not here to judge. judge. This guy ugly. is ugly as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to judge. It's all I'll here. make the rules. You know what I'm saying? Like he, it's not my fault. He's a Sagittarius. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he came up at a time through England's squad when they were just going through a tumultuous period. They had. I no didn't know what they were doing. He would be on here. any good English squad, right? Like yeah. he, he kind of just missed the the boat of good good teams. Yeah. They had no idea. But yeah, Wigan and Everton too. Not great teams to be on when you're trying to He was captain of Everton for a long time as well. Yeah. He was the one player I wanted David Moyes to bring with him. Hmm. I was like, bring us a new left back. Because it was right when Evra had left. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they were struggling. It was before Luke Shaw lost that weight. And uh they needed a Leighton Baines. And he just couldn't do it. Instead, he brought Marijuana Fellaini. The the like disaster the that is natural su- natural successor. Yeah, whatever. Um, you know yeah, cool you're gonna replace his... Paul Scholes and Michael Carrick with Fellaini. Right. You know what's great about Leighton Vane's career is I mean he started in uh, 2001 in the second division with Wigan and he worked his way up. Like he personally, but like the team worked their way up from second division, first division, championship. Then they were in the Prem, and then he spent the rest of his career in the Premier League. You know that's that's pretty awesome. Like, did he retire from Everton or yeah. did he go he was, somewhere else? Yeah. No, he retired at Everton. He was a set-piece mastermind. Yeah, he um, was. UEFA.com uh, describes him as a dependable left back, which might be the most insulting <laughs> thing UEFA.com's <laughs> ever said about anyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he also uh, – fun. he still Wait, holds – you, you got to check yourself. <laughs> yeah, he still holds the record in the Premier League for the most assists by a defender. Really? Hmm. Yeah. So that's, What is that uh, number? Where, Do you know that number? Where are they now? I don't know that number. Oh, I'd be curious. Probably get it pretty quickly. Hang on. I cannot. I cannot get it quickly. I apologize. I'll let you guys down again. See? Set the bar low. <laughs> You're never disappointed. Um, so for trash also, takes. Also unknown what he's doing now. You yeah. say trash takes? You want to jump into trash takes? Yeah, for he trash takes. I mean, there's just there's there's only one game that matters because Swift Kicks is going to be at it. USA, Canada. Steve, your prediction. Oh boy. Uh this is a, this is a this is a qualifier, correct? This is like Steve answering a late night drunk text. All right, one one nil. Chance. We're gonna say He's one back in. No, we're gonna say nil nil. It's nil nil. It used to be a nil nil draw. Nil nil US. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> uh I'm gonna go with three nil US. I was gonna say that, so I'm gonna say four nil US. Okay. It's a dominant performance from the U.S. They've got super fan Ben in the crowd. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think, no, I think the U.S. are on a mission to prove themselves, like we talked about earlier. I It'll hope so. Good. And then you guys can give uh, Debbie Downer Steve uh, a little bit of slack next week. I want a reason to believe. I just can't shake this negativity when it's just – You don't think she's changed? Team. No, I don't saying? think so. I don't think so. As much as they try to tell you that they have, I don't think, I don't think they have. Ben feels like he can change them. I want them to change. 
I want what's best for them. Okay. Well, oh, more great things to come. We'll connect a little bit next week. I think we have another guest next week, but we're going to let that one slide in on a slippery surprise. Um, So to recap those trash takes, we got Steve being Debbie Downer saying a nil-nil draw, Alex saying three-nil to the U.S., and Ben, because Alex took his pick, is saying four-nil to the U.S. So here we go, and we'll see you guys on Sunday. Ricardo.